welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. In this podcast, we'll be having discussions around the secrets which attract lasting, healthy, fulfilling relationships, creating a healthy mindset, and what women should know and understand about men. Introducing your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts, relationship expert, trainer, speaker, and best-selling author of the Cupid's Bow Technique. Lynn's mission is to have a positive impact in reducing divorce, domestic violence, and suicide. Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. This is your host, Lynn Smith. And today I've got a really exciting topic. It's all about dating insights. And I've got a real great expert here. Her name is Zen Ashe. She's a coach and podcaster. And she's got such a great story around dating and the wisdom that she's gained on the back of that. So good afternoon, Zen. Well, good afternoon. Thank you for having me on your podcast. You're very welcome. And I know that uh, probably it's the morning there for you, but (laughs) just going on my own time zone there. But um, just as a matter of introduction, just give the viewers and the listeners a idea about what it is that you've done in your little uh, amount of um, (laughs) experience around dating. Well, I have a very unique uh, dating story, I believe. Um, I got married right out of college and uh, was married about six years, then got divorced, um, got married again, was married another 11 years. And so I found myself single at 43, divorced, and I decided to do online dating. And I went on a whopping 147 dates in seven years. Wow. I ended up writing a (laughs) memoir about that. (laughs) So just a little bit of uh, wisdom and insights then that you can share (laughs) around those experiences. Yes. Um, So I guess the wisdom and insight would be don't lose yourself in the process and stay focused on what your goals are. And they may evolve as you date. You may realize you have different needs than you thought different boundaries than you thought so just stay true to yourself in the journey would be a a piece of advice that I would give and just um love yourself along the journey and don't value yourself differently because of either success or rejections that you get along the journey because we should have self-worth outside of dating absolutely so in terms of the lessons you learned then after all of that uh, you know, over such a long period of time, as as well as so many dates, what 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 lessons did you gain from from doing that? I gained a lot of lessons. I actually, like I said, I wrote a memoir. Each memoir, it's twenty six chapters, so each memoir actually ends with a lesson. And the very first lesson was, uh, "Don't be a rose, be the whole bush." Basically, be the whole garden. So basically, sometimes people feel like they're a rose. You know, we had this doctrine and in, in when I was in religious circles, you know, and if you're a woman, your your petals get picked off and then you have very little to give if you're, you know, not keeping yourself pure and virginal. Well, once you get married, you're not a virgin anymore, you know. So I had to really say, hey, I've got a lot more to offer than my virginity. I have the entire person. And so that was one of the first lessons. Um, following your first mind, you know, um, my angel is famous for saying, when people show you who they are, believe them the first time, you know, um, and then again, exploring using life and dating to explore 
different types of people, different types of experiences, just really kind of living life to the fullest, you know? So those are some things that I, I learned along the way. I mean, I learned a lot. Yeah. Those are sure. some, <laughs> some things that were really helpful to me. And what was the most shocking thing out of that, that experience? Um, there were a lot of shocking things. Um, I, I guess I was most shocked, um, that some of the men that I met, number one, expected me to be exclusive from like our conversation, like, oh, I've expressed an interest in you. So you should be basically dating only me, even though we'd never even met, even though I didn't know if we even had any chemistry in person, but they were expecting exclusivity from the gate. So that was kind of shocking to me. Um, some men were like, oh, we had a great date. So you should kind of throw all of your hobbies and friends and everything to the side and just focus on developing this relationship. That again was kind of shocking to me that there were men out there who felt like a relationship should be the woman's sole priority and that everything she was doing before she met that man was just to kind of fill time. And, and once he came along, she was just supposed to focus on him. Um, and then there were men who were quite vulgar and I was shocked that they were that um, free with their proposals and propositions to someone that they were just meeting. So, um, but then I was also shocked by some of the men who were really, really lonely and just didn't know how to deal with it and were trying to to deal with it through dating but almost in a be my therapist kind of way on the date so that you know there was it was a very interesting mix of people um but i met some great people some strange people um i met the guy that i'm with now you know so it was a very um interesting <laughs> melting pot of experiences absolutely and in terms of, I suppose, your memories of um, particular dates, what what was memorable about some of the people that you actually met in, in a good way? Let's start with that to start with. I, I really met a lot of different types of people that had um, passion in what they were doing, that really inspired me to go for my dreams. Uh, one of the guys, every, every guy has a nickname in my book. So one of the guys I ended up meeting, we ended up having a short relationship. I called him the muse. And in that relationship, he really inspired me to really dive headfirst into my writing. And uh, I got published like 10 times in the time that we were dating the 10 months. So I, I just met some really um, passionate, inspiring, driven people that kind of made me step out. I was a high school teacher when I started dating. And now I'm an entrepreneur. So I think that actually dating was part of my journey to giving myself permission to really put the nine to five away and really go for um, some of my skills and talents and abilities that I had been leaving on the shelf. And so that was quite an unexpected turn of events, you know. I love that, you know, because... You know, anybody probably listening to the first part of this podcast about, you know, you having those 147 dates might be thinking, oh, my God, you know, I bet that was a horrendous journey. But you, I, I like the fact that you've been, you know, as part of that journey, inspired to, like you say, give up the nine to five and become your own boss, so to speak, and start your own entrepreneurial journey around your own passions. 
Yes, yes, yes. And just um, it, I guess you could say it freed me once for me when I kind of stepped out of tradition and was like, okay, I'm 43. Some people might say, hey, you're too old for this. You're too old for that. But to say, no, I'm not, I'm not too old for anything that I'm going to put my heart and soul into. Um, and even in the dating journey, some people will say, oh, if you're not in your twenties, who's going to want you or who's, if you're in your thirties or if you've got two kids, you know, whatever. So to basically throw all of that aside and see, well, let me just try, let me take a risk. Let me put myself out there. And sometimes when you put yourselves out there, you like, in my experience, I met so many people and I was attractive to so many people that I would not have thought, you know, going from traditional wisdom or what you hear people say, you think that that wouldn't be the case, but it, it, it is, at least in my case. And I think it is in more cases than not, you know, people are people and they have their preferences. So I think that that was really a confidence boosting, you know, thing that happened for me. And just to realize that there's there's just more to life than people say or think there is. There's more opportunities. There's more times to start again, you know. And so it was very, to me, very inspiring to go on this journey. Excellent. I, I love that because, um, as I say, there's, there's there's always some people that I speak to that tend to focus on the downsides more than the upsides. And it sounds like you had a lot of positive experiences throughout those years. I did. I did. I mean, there were times when I gave up on dating because I was frustrated. You know, people say that there's uh, a lot of negativity out there and there is. But I again, I think that is all about the mindset that you come to things with and uh, vetting people, trying to try to weed out in your initial conversations and texts people who aren't a good match. You know, so in, in doing that, I, I ended up with meeting like several people that were great companions, great friends, um, and and just it was just a wonderful journey. So, what would you give as advice to people listening to this that are either starting on or thinking about starting on their own dating journey? And um, you know, from the lessons that you've learned in terms of, you said that you know you you you, you developed the skill of weeding out. Um, what advice would you give for for people that obviously need that information? What what do they need to do in terms to weed out in those early conversations those that aren't going to be a, a great match for them? Well, one of the things that I learned much later at near the end of my dating journey um, was a thing called attachment theory, and basically only fifty percent of the population is securely attached. They can really develop deep, meaningful, stable relationships. And the other 50% of the population is estimated to have one of three different insecure attachment styles. So you can actually go online and, and basically do a free attachment style test and see what you are, but you can see some of the characteristics of the other attachment styles. And I think um, being aware that everybody that you meet isn't healthy, <laughs> mentally emotionally doesn't mean that they're not good people they just may have severe difficulties in connecting um, and communicating and trusting those kind of things and so to just be aware of that and don't don't ignore red flags but be positive but you know don't don't go out jaded 
but just be aware. So I think to have awareness of your own needs, your own boundaries and your own attachment style, and then to look for someone who is going to be compatible with those needs. Um, And there's many YouTube channels where they'll say, hey, if you have these needs, you need a person kind of like this. Like if you have a need for understanding, you may need a person with a good communication, you know, set of skills so that you guys can talk so you can understand each other. Um, So, so just, I would say that just be very aware of yourself, know yourself and don't be apologetic about what you want because and a, re- a relationship is very important in terms of fulfillment. And so we we need to know ourselves and just be very aware of what we need in our boundaries. Yeah, I, I like that you mentioned attachment styles. I have done quite a few podcasts around attachment styles. So for those people that don't know anything about attachment styles and what they are, then look up um, the uh, in the previous podcast episodes, uh, attachment styles, and I'm sure you'll find plenty of information there about what they are and how it applies to you. So um, then what for you, um, I suppose, has been the most disturbing thing that, that happened? I guess the most disturbing thing that happened was um, I I actually had someone who... Uh, was very morbid on the date. And when we left, you know, he had, he tried to walk me out to my car basically and tried to, in a sense, grab me. Um, so that was a little scary. That was out of all the 147 days, that was the only time I felt in any kind of maybe danger. But I always was in very public places that were well lit, that normally had security. And it wasn't ever like, deserted or anything like that. So I picked those kind of places for my safety being a woman. So I think that that is something that um, people need to be aware of just to always be um, picking places that seem to be well lit, well traveled, um, monitored, you know, those kind of things, just in case somebody has nefarious ideas. (laughs) <laughs> absolutely and that's yes. great advice thank you for saying that and mm-hmm. also um how did you sort of go about weeding out people that were catfishing you know not with fake profiles that might be on the prowl for eliciting money well on the prowl for money they generally outed themselves very quickly within a few conversations um, or a few texts um, the catfish were a little more difficult. You know, some people do video chatting. I don't, I'm not really a great fan of that. Um, but that is one way to weed them out. I generally met people pretty quickly within maybe a week or so because I didn't want to really get super attached to somebody who might be a catfish. I also didn't want to get super attached to someone in person that I had no chemistry with. And I feel I'm one of those people where It's wonderful to have a great conversation with someone on the phone or even through video chat, but I feel I don't know anything about you till I meet you and I feel your energy. I see your mannerisms. I see how I feel in a conversation with you face to face. So for me, um, within a week or two, I would meet and that generally when people knew that you were planning on meeting within a week or two, they generally were like more honest or or more... (laughs) 
upfront, well, let me send you a recent picture of myself kind of thing. That was another thing that you could ask for. Hey, could I get, I saw your pictures online because most of my dating was from online profiles. You know, do you have a recent picture of yourself? You know, something like that. Um, so those are some things that you can do, but I still got catfished a couple of times, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. And I think it's knowing that um, that's okay, you know, but just right. know that um, those people are out there from a safety point of view and never, uh, never offer to send anybody money, I'd say. As oh, a, right. Exactly. Yes. Anybody yes. that's asking for money. I think what I noticed when I was doing some online dating was um, a lot of those profiles that were catfish type profiles were, now it's, it's a shame because I'm sure there's some genuine military guys out there, but a lot of them were saying they were mil in the military. And I'm sure that was, um, you know, uh, then a good excuse for them asking right. for money if, by saying they were was trapped abroad somewhere and needed the funds to get home or something like that. Mm. Um, but, you know, I, I would be wary of anybody that says they're in the military, um, not wanting to stereotype or, or cast <laughs> a dark shadow on all people that might have genuinely been in the military. But I don't know if you found the same thing. I, well, I didn't really want to date anyone in the military. You know, my whole goal was I was trying to find someone local that I could have a relationship with and we could see each other regularly. So that kind of X'd out military people who were still active, actively on duty because they're not going to be available. They're going to be deployed. And right. so if you know what you want um, and you have your goals for dating, you know, sometimes that'll X out certain groups. Absolutely. So I think, you know, um, what you're saying is look for people that are local to you, that you can vet pretty quickly and meet pretty quickly. Yes, for me, that was what I was looking for. I didn't want anybody who wasn't local because for my goals, like I said, I wanted someone I could see every week, someone that I could build a relationship with. And I did want to meet them pretty quickly. Once I felt, you know, you have to me, you have to build some sort of um, comfort level with this person before meeting them. Um, but I wanted to meet them within, like I said, a week or two and see if we were compatible. And then there's a lot of women out there and, and obviously men as well, but my audience is mainly women. So for those that feel, um, I suppose, a bit afraid of doing online dating because they're scared of rejection, how did you cope with that? Well, first off in America, I can't speak for any other place. The odds are in your favor, online dating. Um, on most sites, there's more men than women, at least when I was doing it. So that means that more men are going to generally approach you online. Like when I put my profile out, um, I had like a hundred messages like in the first week and I wow. literally had to bring that down to like 16 because I was like that's a manageable number that's so confidence boost though <laughs> <laughs> so it was never um I think the 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 where you have to have some um awareness there is an algorithm in place just like there is on any social media so if you hardly ever go on the platform if you hardly ever swipe on anyone the algorithm is going to shoot you down to the bottom 
So my advice would be, you know, go on the platform at least weekly, swipe on five or 10 people, be active. Even if you never meet those people, just try to get comfortable with having online conversations, the text. And then once you get more comfortable with that, then many of the platforms have where you can actually call through the platform. You don't have to give out your number get comfortable with that and then kind of build up your confidence. But if you never go on there, it's going to be much harder for you to get quality matches because the more active you are, the more you get moved up to the top of the pile in terms of, oh, this person's really active. They're swiping. Well, we want, you know, we want to send them more, more suggestions. So I noticed that the more active that I was, um, the better suggestions I got. You know, you should look, you know, in, in the certain, some of the platforms, it would say something like on, on Facebook where it says people you might want to know, you know, they might yes. have those little. Yeah. So, so that would be my suggestion is be active at least once a week. Some people would even say trying to go on there every few days. And even if you just swipe for five minutes, you know, and, and find someone that you can click yes on or send a, hi, how are you message? You know what I'm saying? Just to be active. Don't go like a whole month and you haven't even been on the platform because you're going to be, you know, in the dust bunnies row, you know, as far as getting any suggestions. So um, that can help you a lot. Cause I noticed that the more active I was, the better matches I got, um, the better the dates were because I was getting better matches, you know, things like that. So that would be my suggestion. Just build up your confidence. The more you put yourself out there, the more confidence you're going to get. You're just going to, it's going to become more of a, you're not going to take everything personally because you will have had, let's say maybe 10 conversations in a month rather than one. And if this one doesn't go well, oh my God, you know? Mm. So it, it, you'll, by the the sheer amount of numbers, you'll start to feel less nervous, I guess is, is, is the thing. But then there's a downside to that because you don't want to get to the point where you're like, oh, okay, well, I'll just get somebody next week. And then you're not putting in the effort. So there's, there's kind of a Goldilocks spot. Don't get so flippant where you're not really caring, but mm. then don't be so inactive that every single match is like, he's got to be the one, you know, mm. and you're, you're picturing the wedding veil, you know, before you even met him. So you, you <laughs> kind of want to be in the, in the Goldilocks spot. Yeah, so. absolutely. And what about actually, you know, um, on dates themselves, how did you cope with if they didn't ask you for a second date? Um, how did you cope with that perceived rejection at that point? Well, I guess I had a different view of that. And this may sound politically incorrect in a sense. Um, I can look at myself and say, hey, I'm this age, I have this background. And so someone might not see me as their prize. But I felt they agreed to this date. This date was a chance for both of us to vet each other. So I am first seeing whether I even want to move forward. So the focus was more on, do I want to move forward than do they? Because I guess you could say, I know that my desirable person is kind of a needle in a haystack. I'm an intellectual. I really like intellectual men. I like self-sufficient men with, you know, grown kids or no kids. So it's like my pool was going to be smaller, but even just in having that idea of an intellectual man, 
if we couldn't have a good conversation about a variety of topics, I wasn't really looking for the second date. So, you know, I think that if you're really comfortable as a single person and you have a, a fulfilling life to the best of your ability and you're looking at that relationship as an addition, as a, as kind of the icing on the cake, you know, the cherry on the sundae, then rejection becomes a lot less of a, a problem. You don't think, I don't think about it like that. It's like, um, my life is really wonderful. It's as rich as I can make it. And a man would help add to that, but it's not like a man is make or break, you know? So my suggestion would be to make your life as interesting as possible without the guy so that you're not necessarily so wrapped up in whether he chooses you or not, you know? That's great yeah. advice. I love that. You know, it's about you know, not thinking of a relationship as completing you, but complimenting right. you. Oh, that's a beautiful way to put it. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And and just to be, just not to have any expectations. The expectation is really to go on that first date, enjoy it as much as you can, enjoy this company, the company of this person, and then just to see if there's even a possibility. Because if you're looking at the only good outcome is a second date, then you're setting yourself up in a sense for failure. The good outcome is I had a wonderful time. I have a great memory. Maybe I met somebody I'll have, you know, a, a conversation with in the future. And then if, if there's a second date, then that is even above and beyond my expectations, you know? So making the second date more of a, um, I guess, a bonus round yeah. than the goal of the date itself. Because to me, I never expected a second date. If it happened, that was wonderful. But I wasn't going to the first date. I was going to the first date to really see what was there yeah. and to really try to be as um, open to just explore that moment. Because I think sometimes when people are pushing too much for the second date, they may miss red flags. They may miss, they may not even ask questions that they need to ask because they're like, oh, I really want to get the second date. So I'm not going to ask this question that's really burning in my heart, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that you have to just put everything in perspective. That's, Excellent. that would be my advice. That's great. And, and for those listeners that would like to connect with you, Zen, what would be the best contact information you could offer? Well, my name is Zenashe, Z-E-N, his first name, A-S-E is the second name. So I'm, I'm active on all social media, but you can find me on Facebook. Um, on my social media, there is a link tree in my bio. So if you click on that link tree, um, you can actually see events I have coming up, workshops. I do live music, uh, comedy and poetry shows, my books. I have four books out, including the memoir that I mentioned that has my whole dating journey in it. So they can find me there. Excellent. And you mentioned previously about, you know, um, probably going on the first date and not really asking the questions that, you know, that, that probably people need to ask. What do you think are key questions that people really need to consider asking on a first date? Well, I think it depends on the person. Like if you're in your 20s, you may be asking different questions than if you're in your 50s. Yes. You know, like um, I'm in my 50s now, I was in my 40s. So I knew that 
if I was going to get serious with somebody, I was looking for someone to get married to. So, you know, some, I, some questions might be, you know, in an ideal situation, where would you want this dating experience you're having online to lead you? Are you looking to be married sometime in the future? Um, or, you know, what, what are your expectations in a relationship? And, and some, it, it depends on, to me, it depends on how the date is going. That's why I wasn't necessarily looking at the second date. If the date is not going well, you don't need to ask a lot of those probing questions because you already know I'm not interested in seeing this person again. Mm -hmm. But if the date is going really well, I think it should be more of a, a flow and try to work the questions into the conversation um, rather than, okay, I've got these five questions I've got to get answered right now. And, and it becomes kind of almost an interview because I think you want to it should be natural. It should mm, be, yes. yeah, it shouldn't be like an interrogation. So I think that people should have some questions in mind that really fit their situation, their, their age, their expectations, but they should also be okay with, if they only get two of their big five questions answered that night, that's okay. Cause you can always call that person later. They can call you. Everything doesn't have to happen on the date. No. no so excellent I love that so any final words of wisdom before we wrap up the episode I guess my final words of wisdom would be to not lose yourself in the process <laughs> you know just to again like you said see it as a compliment to your journey not stress out about it not um not like I said be in that Goldilocks spot where you're just, you're, you're enjoying the journey because people can get very jaded in online dating, very negative. And, and then people can get very flippant about, oh, well, there's another one. There's another one. Oh, there's so many people out here. There's so many options. So I think you just have to be aware that there are some in the modern dating scene, there are some pitfalls you want to avoid and just don't lose yourself in the process. Keep, keep your goal in mind, keep your truth to yourself you know, and, and do other things besides dating, you know, dating is just part of your life. It's not, it shouldn't be like your mission, you know? So yeah, that's some of the ideas I have. Yeah, definitely. And, and just continue to also do those things once you start dating that you did as a single person as well. Like you say, um, once you even start dating and finding a, a potential long-term partner, doesn't mean that you um, should end up losing what you had before. Right. Right. I definitely agree with that. <laughs> Absolutely. So thank you so much, Zen. It's been fascinating. All your tips and wise words of wisdom around dating. I found it really, really interesting. Well, thank you. I appreciate you for having me on. So it just leaves me to say that true love starts with opening our hearts. And until next time, goodbye for now. Thanks for listening to the Hearts Entwined podcast. You can follow Lynn via the Facebook group, Two Hearts Entwined, or search Lynn Smith, inspirational speaker at LinkedIn, or email lynn at hearts-entwined.com. That's L-Y-N at hearts entwined.com Remember, true love starts with opening our hearts.